Today's episode is brought to you by Pale Horse Media Co. Head on over to www.palehorsemedia.co for more of your favorite shows, books, and merch. I have two brand new releases for you over at Pale Horse Media Co. The first one, In His Name, My First Dive Into Fiction. It is just a fun, cool thriller if you're into that kind of sort of thing. And and we have the second expanded edition of the original, of the OG Safety Sucks, the bullshit and the safety profession they don't tell you about. I go through, I expand on some thoughts, add some bonus material, reflect on some of the chapters. So if either of those sound like things you should be interested in, again head over to www.palehorsemedia.co CO or find them on your Amazon marketplace. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of your support of the books of the podcast of the merch store of everything. It truly means the world to us. This, this, this show is brought to you by safety FM. The hop nerd podcast is brought to you by hop University. Head on over to hopuniversity.org. That's hopuniversity.org for all things safety better. We offer on-demand human and organizational performance training, one-on-one coaching for safety professionals. We also come to you doing all things HOP-related as far as HOP training, operational learning, learning teams, everything in between. Again, head over to HOP University for all things safety better. Speaking of safety better, the Hop Nerd Podcast is brought to you by my first book, Safety Sucks, the bullshit and the safety profession they don't tell you about. You can head over, pick up a copy at Amazon. You can find the audiobook on Audible, iTunes, anywhere else that you find audiobooks. There's also a Kindle version, some ebook versions, pretty much any format that you like to read or listen, it is available. You can head over to safetysucks.net for more information. Hello, howdy, hi everybody, Sam Goodman, the Hop Nerd, bringing you another episode of the Hop Nerd Podcast. Before we dive too far into this thing, do me a favor, head over to the website, www.thehopnerd.com, follow along on all things social media at the Hop Nerd, except for Twitter, because it is super duper special, it is the Hop Nerd one, who tweets that much anyways, right? I kind of go back and forth, so if you're following me on Twitter... I apologize if it takes me like a month to uh, do anything over there because I just don't do much with Twitter. I just don't enjoy it, <laughs> be honest with you. If you want to interact with me, LinkedIn is probably about the best place to do it. I'm, I'm working on being more present on other social media platforms, but LinkedIn seems to be a lot more fun for me. But I wanted to say this, too, before we get too far into this thing. Um, it is June, and June is Pride Month, and I think it's really important that we talk about visibility uh, in the safety profession in particular, uh, especially when we have a lot of safety professional organizations out there that that kind of avoid the subject of the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, they just kind of avoid it, and I think that's BS. So I just want to say, you know, happy Pride. If they're not going to say it, I'm going to say it. Uh, and also, head over. There's a great group that is forming on LinkedIn. Speaking of LinkedIn, uh, it's LGBTQIA+, Safety, Health, and Environmental Professionals. I'm sure if you search it, you will find it. Uh, and it's just a great place. It's a, it's a missing link, right? It's, it's a missing thing there that we have not had uh, in the safety community in particular. 
particular. So uh, I think it's really important to address some of those struggles that certain communities face within our profession. Again, if our if our quote here's our air quote professional organizations <clears throat> won't help. There's others out there within our group that will. And again, if they won't say happy Pride Month, I will. There we go. And a lot of other folks will too. So uh, let me step down off of that rant, off that soapbox for just a minute and say... Today, I'm joined once again. This is probably our most regular guest, my dear, dear friend, Ian Allison. This one is super cool because we did it live and in person. We did it at the Hot Nerd Studio, so the video will be live. So go check that out if you want to go see some live stream action. We live streamed this, so some of you have already seen it, but the video is available over on the YouTube channel, and here's the podcast. Here we go. Sam Goodman, Ian Allison in the Hot Nerd Studio talking about, we just talk about everything, so here we go. Well, welcome, man. Awesome. Glad Thanks. to Thanks, uh, glad to have you here. For, for those of you that uh, that won't be seeing us, I'm joined once again by the awesome and the amazing Maya my near and dear friend Ian Allison. Hey. He is our first our first guest, man. You're our first guest in the Hop Nerd Studios. This is a gorgeous How studio. Does that? <laughs> I appreciate it. It's a gorgeous it, studio. People need to come see this thing. That's the plan. So I keep sharing that story that um I don't know, man. I just had the shittiest luck, I think. I think that's really what it is. Is that it was like a month, not even a month. It was like two or three weeks, two or three weeks before uh, before the whole thing went crazy. You know, mm-hmm. the whole world went crazy. The, the apocalypse started, I guess. And uh, we started we started tinkering here and kind of got into this place. And it's like, oh no, never mind. You can't see anybody for like three months now. Yeah, <laughs> so- <laughs> this is a great space. I think uh, those of you that don't know Sam very well, or if you're just getting to know him, like Sam is the most random person I've ever met. Like <laughs> right. he, his, his taste, he doesn't really have taste. He just like tries a little bit of everything and loves everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like his Pandora Spotify list is all over the yeah. place. And this room <laughs> is a perfect representation of that. Um, you should, you know, at some point you should get up your social media and just do a quick pan of everything you got in this table, in this room. It yeah. is all over the place. You have a Nintendo 64 in here. You got a mystery machine band. Yeah. It's it's everywhere, man. I love it's, it. It's all over the place, man. And that's that's a lot of what uh, what I've been meaning to do. I just haven't haven't done it yet. Uh, I keep threatening to do a tour. Like so, that's what that's really what I think I need to do at some point. I need to do just a tour um, for whatever reason. I, I guess it's the angle. So like, especially when I do like this this kind of this kind of narrow angle here. This is usually the shot. So for folks, mm. folks that are on the podcast, I'm sorry, you're totally missing out. Yeah, on, you really on, are. on this shot and this beautiful purple and pink <laughs> backlighting that I've got going on, and this this awesome safety sucks book that I put on, I put think, on the shelf I think, strategically. I think, I think the best the best <laughs> cover of all of this though is just a place to hide all your crap. It's exactly that, what it is. That like you know you, you I bet your house still looks great. Like you don't you're not a hoarder. Yeah, that yeah. You really have it in order, and you come in this room, and you're just like, wow, he's. He collects just a lot of that, junk. That's that, exactly that's that's what was uh, that's the biggest reason 
for those of you that don't know how we ended up in the studios, because if we didn't, I was going to get kicked out of my house because I had, there's a small corner that continued to grow with podcasting crap. And eventually we had to have a place to put it all. This is a great space, Sam. I appreciate it. You having me on again. No, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I need to do that. I've been meaning to do like a, like a tour, like a something, mm-hmm. um, just because I get a lot of uh, people like, Oh, you have this massive, massive studio. I'm like, it's not massive. Like that's let's, let's start there. It's like a broom closet, but it does have some cool stuff in it. So I, th- I think I need to, I need to do that at some point. It's definitely a good space to move around, and I, uh, you got a good setup. Sam. I appreciate you're it, on man. your way, man. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. So once again, I am joined today uh, by the amazing and the awesome Ian Allison in studio. I, that's the coolest part to me is that that today we have someone in studio. I've been doing all this Zoom stuff lately, and Zoom's fun. It's a lot of fun, uh, and it's it's a blast connecting with all the uh, all the hashtag safety fam all over the planet but uh, it's nice to finally have somebody here so i'm glad you're the first yeah it's kind of cool yeah so i i was a little apprehensive at first mm-hmm. uh, i think with still everything there's a spectrum of people um or there's a spectrum with how you feel about the right. state of affairs right now and i think that um i'm in the sense that i mean we didn't hug we didn't shake hands we normally oh. do yep you know we're, we're social distancing we're being responsible um but at the same time I think I'm just aware of like I'm not going to touch my face, you know. Right. I'm not gonna. I wouldn't have come right. if I had felt any, you know, kind of cough or lingering. And then there's still like the background of like asymptomatic right, carriers, right. and I'm just like, I don't know, man. Like, if me and my wife had a healthy conversation about it, and mm-hmm. we're just like, at some point, you know, you you gotta just live your life a little bit, but yeah. not be reckless. So. I don't know. I didn't. I, part of me wanted to send you a questionnaire of like, Sam, where you been the past couple of weeks? Like, how, how your symptoms have been so feeling? Can you can you go and uh, make sure that everyone that you hadn't been in contact with exactly. has the same symptoms? So, and that's the really good thing. Other than uh, I've, I've been pretty cautious too. I think most of us have. Other than you know the random trip to the grocery store just mm-hmm. to kind of restock on supplies. Plus, plus before anybody gives us any hate, I had a COVID test about a week ago. Right. So, and I came up negative. Well, so and so I knew good. that. I knew that. And I, and I told that to my wife, and she was like, oh, okay, well, that makes you feel so much more, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I have been nowhere <laughs> since yeah. then. So. Same, same here. You know, I'm the I'm the runner. When I run into the grocery store or wherever, mm-hmm. you know, we desand. You know, we said we yeah. basically have like a decontamination station set up, um, you know, basically almost disrobe everything that was from the outside. And, yeah. Um, I don't know how much of it is overkill or if it's enough or not enough, but, um, you know, our state started to reopen and Mm -hmm. I think a part of me is just like, well, I should be just a little bit more adventurous, maybe not adventurous, but just a little, you know, bend on my rules just a tad, um, while still sticking to what I feel is right. And I think that, you know, wearing a mask when I'm, when I can, you know, when social distancing isn't possible, but just being responsible and as right. much as possible with my yeah. interactions, and I think this is, you know, sure. I'm, I we're not doing anything too crazy in here other than um, enjoying this great room, you know, <laughs> just, just, just hanging out and uh, yeah, going to chat, just trying to, yeah. I mean, and yeah. a part of it too is just that, just that need to see some. I think you're the first non person, mm-hmm. they're the first person I've seen in like two and a half months, uh, like you're in person. Pr- yeah, pretty. I think me too. Yeah, I think me too. Like first first person that I've seen other than just random people. For at, sure. At uh, at Sam, like Sam's Club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I I actually so that's a lie. I came from a funeral today. I saw mm-hmm. my family today. Um, so I had unfortunately one of my uh, my my grand my grandpa passed away oh, no. from uh, Sorry, from COVID. I hate to hear that, man. Yeah, it it is rough. So that's part of the reason why too is just like uh, 
you know, where, 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 where am I at on, on everything? And, uh, he had his nursing home got hit real hard Mm -hmm. and just big outbreak and it was on the reservation. So I'm I'm Navajo, if people don't, don't know, and I, you know, per capita, that's the hardest hit place in the country. And so I think that, um, it's hard for me to like disconnect from that, but also Mm -hmm. at the same time, it's just like the, that situation over there is far different from where we are yeah. right now. Well, and it was it was a significant challenge up there, right? I mean, per capita, the, the rates were higher. Mm-hmm. And the uh, they got hit with a water shortage, right? Right at the same time, I believe it was, wasn't it? Uh, well, no. Like so a there's significant water so there's, shortage or something going on. There's a lot of uh, institutional reasons, you know, and, and political reasons over over the course of you know just the American Indian history mm-hmm. to date of how the Navajo Nation got formed, how we got put basically in a desert, yeah. uh, barren land, and then also we're put in places where there's a lot of freezes on different parcels of land where you're not allowed yeah. to develop, but people are still allowed to live there. And so those places where um, they're not allowed to develop, but you're still allowed to live there, so there's no electricity, there's no running water. Mm-hmm. So 30% roughly of the entire Navajo Nation population uh, doesn't have access to running water no. or electricity. Well, I mean, some of them have electricity, but no running water. Right. And so when one of the main mandates is to sanitize all the time, you know, it's difficult. It's hard, um, yeah. Especially, yeah. you know, in lower SES. Um, I think both of us came from kind of that background. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, you cram a bunch of people into a double-wide trailer. Right. And that that's kind of what a lot of situations are. You know, it, it's uh, individuals kind of just living in a tight quarters. Right. And so, yeah. you know, if you have an asymptomatic carrier, eventually you're going to come in mm-hmm. contact with a high-risk person if there's like seven or eight of you living exactly. in a small space and yeah. you know you stack that on top of not having uh the ability to sanitize all the time mm-hmm. and it's just it just spikes yeah, so yeah. unfortunate yeah but it's different you know like, like like here where we are we we have the ability to to distance completely right. and uh you know like the res one of the other main reasons is it's the size of West Virginia. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Keep, people keep making that comparison. You're the first person I met from yeah. West Virginia. <laughs> yeah. So. But yeah, the, the the res, my res is the same size as West Virginia. We have 13 grocery stores, mm-hmm. you know, the, yeah. for the entire uh, yeah. location. And so I think that's another problem too, is just uh, access to everything. Where, where for mm-hmm. me, I, grocery stores are, you know, right. less a few, a few minutes away and we can, we well, can just go make a quick run, come back. It's and, so similar, right? I mean, I, 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 I draw a lot of similarities there. I mean, just because when I talk to my family, like my family's back in Virginia, they live in a very rural part of Virginia, mm-hmm. and it's kind of the same. There's just a handful of stores, right? You don't have that many options. Uh, there's there's a there's a small grocery store and a smaller grocery store, yeah. right? And then if you want to go to like Sam's Club, for at least for them, they have to drive like an hour and a half, two hours away yep. to go to a Sam's Club or go to something else. I mean, there's a there's a couple little grocery stores, but it's like you said, it's they don't uh, back home. You know, talking with my mom, she still lives back that way. Uh, and it's just like, yeah, they, they don't really have the same opportunities to just like pop in here, pop in there. I literally shopped around Sam's clubs, mm-hmm. right? Like we, we went to one Sam's club. We're like, this one is entirely too busy. We're going to the other one. Right. Yeah. It's because if there was a line, like I'm not going to go wait in a line full of, full, sure. full, of full of these people and, that I don't know. And what, <laughs> yeah. and what's, so we had that benefit, you know, within a five, 10 minute drive, the entire, I mean, I don't know, within like a one mile radius, we were able mm-hmm. to go check out like a, a CVS, Walgreens, right. Albertsons, Fries, all these kind mm-hmm. of different Kroger stores. And we're like, okay, we eventually found one that had toilet paper, that yep. had a hand sanitizer. 
Whereas up in these more rural areas, like up, up in the res, like mm-hmm. the border towns, they kind of get stripped of everything. Yeah, and then yeah. so when you show up there, you're like, okay, I need toilet paper. I need hand sanitizer. I need, you know, I can't believe you can't find hand soap, you know. Yeah. But if you can't find hand soap in that one grocery store, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. Otherwise, you're, um, I mean, you know what this is like. I mean, the gas stations kind of double as small grocery mm-hmm. stores. You know, yeah, they have these, yeah. you know, and it's then they just have this one tiny uh, section of a shelf where it's like this is all of your mm-hmm. um, you know personal hygiene stuff and here's all the cleaning stuff yeah. and if it's not there yeah. then SOL yeah 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 and even even if you go to like uh, so like even back home like even like the Walmart back home is not like the same as like a normal Walmart like what I think of here it's like a smaller scale down version oh, of sure. Walmart too you know? yeah and it's, it makes me even think of like talking a little bit about Northern Arizona it makes me it, the Walmart's where I grew up at reminds me of like the Walmart in like Winslow Arizona mm. right it's like like this isn't a real Walmart, yeah. <laughs> you know. And you like, so you don't have quite the same stock as it seems like you have anywhere else. So yeah, you have you take those problems and the problems that we have had down here are really nothing compared to some of the problems that that have been facing more rural yeah. areas, right? Hundred I mean, percent. The the rural areas are hit much harder because you have um, individuals flocking, and there's more desperation there. I mean, maybe not more. But I think there's a definitely a tinge of it that's different because they're yeah. like, this is the only store we can go to. For us, it, it's like, you know, this isn't – I can't get what I always get at my favorite store, so I'm inconvenient, so I'm going to have to go to another one. Right. And there were, you know, when this first started, you weren't able to find toilet paper. You weren't able to find – you know, every, everyone had the list of things, you know, chicken, uh, eggs, bread was all gone. But then a few weeks later, once the supply chain kind of rebounded from that – um, and under, better understood the demand. They were able to, you know, stock the shelves. You could get a lot of the stuff that you weren't able to. But those rural communities, you know, the supply chains might never rebound, um, yeah. at least until things really start catching up. And I think now that the grocery stores have been responsible and said you can only have one of these items, and then they open it up for certain hours for, like, high-risk individuals. You know, if you're over 60, yeah. you can come yeah. from these hours to these hours to not make it so much of a free-for-all and try to give some people uh, – the ability to take what they actually need. Right. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's been wild times, man. I mean, that's the only thing that that's the only way I know how to say it. It's been wild times, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, um, it's been really interesting to see everything that's been kind of happening, the way the world has responded, the way organizations have responded to see the way, how shitty some organizations have responded and how great some other organizations have responded. And just to see kind of the way the world has, has kind of just, squirreled themselves away i think it's something that's really interesting because um what is it yeah yesterday was sunday right today's monday yeah mm-hmm. yesterday was sunday there we go it's been a weird it's been a weird time i'm still i still have quarantine brain i'm still locked away and i'm like yeah. I, don't, I don't care what day it is yeah <laughs> you know? but so i was i was driving to to the studio to here uh, just just yesterday and uh, i was coming down through downtown Phoenix, um, most folks tuning in won't have a clue where I'm talking about, but kind of in my neighborhood in between my home and, and the studio here. And I noticed like there was food trucks back out and I, mm. I forgot like over the weekend, I noticed over the weekend, I forgot that we were opening, like the state was starting to open. I, there's people in bars, like I'm seeing people oh, in yeah. bars, like I'm, there's people, there's food trucks, there's people out on the streets. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it almost felt kind of normal. Like it was weird to see things kind of going back to normal and it just kind of hit me. I'm like, you know. I didn't realize how deserted the city had really been compared to right. kind of the, the norm, right? Especially like the weekend norm. 
Like, you know, you, I've just gotten kind of, it's not good, but I've gotten kind of used to just not seeing anything open. Mm-hmm. And then now all of a sudden I'm seeing people and it was just shocking, right? I, there's no, no real point to that story. It was just shocking to me that I'm like, oh, wow, there's people back. There's people hanging out. There's like, there, there, it was, it was kind of nice though. It was kind of nice to see some life coming it's, back to the city. It's nice. And going back to the spectrum of, uh, kind of everybody's feelings on the state of things, mm-hmm. like I'm, I just feel like, man, it's 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 really rolling the dice, you know. I mean, but what do you do? Do do you, do you risk destroying the economy and you know increasing that right. unemployment rate, and then potentially eliminating jobs that may mm-hmm. never come back, um, or do you reopen and kind of just yeah. r- expect people to follow certain guidelines? Because I I got an email from my gym that uh, said they started opening today. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm like, good for them. I'm not going to yeah. be there anytime soon. I'll still pay the membership, you know. I'll yeah. still contribute, you know, do my part. But as I'm, right. uh, you know, you're not going to see me there for a while. And yeah. it, there's been some, um, some of it is sensationalizing in the news. But some of the bars reopening, um, some of them mm-hmm. are very responsible. You know, they highlight the, uh, they're like, they had the duct tape lines on the road, and they're like, okay, we're so, you know promoting takeout primarily but you can come and sit down and they yeah. show their social distancing plans they have they redesign the occupancy of the building mm-hmm. and then you see like another restaurant that's just like hey man go hammer go home and they're just like all crammed in like sardines yeah. just partying like it would like it like nothing ever happened yeah. so um i'm i'm a little torn about everything reopening but it definitely does feel like mm-hmm. things are back to kind of normal and in, in in a way um, yeah, I definitely felt the traffic coming in at five o'clock. It's, you know, the traffic really picked now, back right? up. Yeah, because the first little bit, I mean, that was one of the biggest things, right? Um, even here, like when when we do the live streams and stuff um, for just kind of the normal kind of me ranting live streams, we'll, we've been pulling up the traffic cams and just like looking at the traffic mm-hmm. cams because there's been nothing on the road, right? Um, now it's back. It's definitely, it's yeah. definitely back. I've noticed that. I noticed that this afternoon, uh, I spent some time here earlier, uh, recording an interview for another podcast and, uh, yeah, leaving, I, I left at like six thirty or something. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like, Oh my gosh, man, it's like normal Phoenix traffic. Of course I don't have to go very far. That's one, yeah. <laughs> that's one of the fortunate things yeah, I've nice. kind of got going on, but it was still, it was, it was back to that kind of normal kind of traffic. I'm with you. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. Um, I think at some point, I mean, there's, there's risk in everything. I mean, we can dive into that risk conversation in not any day of the week. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's risk in everything. Um, and at some point I'm, I, that's kind of where I've been. I'm like, well, I don't know. It, how, how much longer do, does it actually make it worse to stay kind of hidden away for longer? Cause it brings up the questions of this whole thought on the thoughts on herd men, or the, the whole herd thoughts, immunity, herd immunities and all this other stuff. And are you actually damaging immune systems by keeping mm-hmm. people scrolled away longer? Does that make more sense to do that? And then so, risk maybe, you know, there's, there's definitely the a lot of parallels in safety because there's always a right thing to do, mm-hmm. but, and there's a, there's, there's maybe a, a way that you can reduce the risk to as low as possible, but you may also run the risk of not being able to do anything. Right. You're like you you corner yourself in this small. Yeah, yeah. You pigeon yourself so much that you're just like we can't get any work done. Yeah. Um. So there's this fine balance. You know, there's this one meme. I'm gonna butcher it, but <laughs> this one quote of like you know scientists all around the world are saying that we that COVID nineteen is real. We need to take it serious. But this one guy at my high school, he says he sees through all the veils right. and he's got it all figured out. Who do I trust, guys? Right, right, I mean, right. obviously trying to highlight that, yeah. you know, scientists know more than the average Joe just kind of fumbling through some Wikipedia uh, pages and mm-hmm. different forums. But I think there definitely is a medium because 
despite what scientists may say and you know subject matter experts it still needs to be received and and people still need to process it and just because they say it doesn't mean it's going to be followed exactly the way they want um and i wish it wasn't like that with something as serious as this Mm -hmm. and we don't really know the full gravity of the situation you know mortality rates and um the way it's contracted but there definitely is somewhere in the middle and i think that it's it's even divisive to say something like that you know where um i'm definitely more on the conservative side on 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 uh I mean, not conservative. That was the wrong term to use in this context. <laughs> I think I'm definitely more more on the side of like uh, siding with 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 science and mm-hmm. what, what what they have to say, even though it's not fully founded. And you know, they're still trying to figure everything out. I feel more comfort and solace in knowing that. I think just from a safety standpoint yeah. of uh, understanding that there is a certain level of protection that a mask gives you, sure. even a cloth, you know, a cotton mask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, th- there is a certain level of protection that it gives mm-hmm. you. So. I'm going to roll with that and kind of just, you know, stick to my guns on that one. But at the same time, man, I, you know, from the business standpoint, it's just like, how much can we take? Um, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't, I don't envy anyone that has to be a decision maker in this, in this time. Yeah, it's rough. And that's, that's a lot of what I've noticed. And that's a lot of what we've been trying to do is give as many kind of shout outs, uh, you know, to local businesses as we can, especially restaurants and stuff like that, man, because so many things have gotten hit and so hit so hard. Mm -hmm. And that's really, that's really where a lot of the conversation goes is, you know, um, I'm by no means, oh, I'm stupid. Like, I, (laughs) Right. I'm, yeah. I'm not a COVID-19 specialist. Let's just say that, that right, right now. I'm an idiot. Right? I'll gladly say that I'm an idiot. I'm, I'm an idiot with opinions, so that's probably kind of dangerous. But but I'm totally an idiot. But it, it just seems like at some point, like we were kind of saying, you know, at some point you kind of have to, you have to kind of shoot somewhere in the middle, right? You have mm-hmm. to kind of say, okay, well, if we don't start opening things in the the because the economy is going to have, seems like it's going to have some type of whiplash effect here, right? Mm-hmm. At some point, some point things are going to kind of tank. Right, uh, even more so than probably what they have. But if we don't start to do something, then we're, are we going to have people like fighting each other in the streets for bread? Like what? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's at some point we have to probably start to open stuff up. I'm, I'm a fan of doing that with some wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. Thinking about that. And I, I think there's, like you said, I think there's some people that are doing it pretty well. I've seen some of that that's happening kind of well, and then some people just maybe not so much. I haven't seen any of the packed bars yet. <laughs> <laughs> but even some of the restaurants I've noticed, what they're capped at, uh, they're supposed to be capped, I think, at like 25%, 25% or something like that. Right. Yeah, some of them are getting creative. I was reading an article the other day where somebody was using mannequins, mm. like fill in, fill in their, <laughs> their seats with mannequins. You Make know, sure no one like, sits yeah. in the seats. That's I like a, that's, that's pretty cool. That's I like a good that. idea. Extra cool, extra creepy. I like it. <laughs> I think, I think uh, part, part, part of my uh, kind of uh, internal debate comes from you know my res hit so hard so mm-hmm. there's that side of that that yeah. side where i see like per capita on the reservation where i was born and raised where i grew up where i went yep. to high school and i yep. still go back to like that's home for me and that is hit per capita harder than anywhere else yeah. in the country yeah. and then you come to phoenix and it's it's yeah. it's a fraction of that if anything for you sure. know and and i have uh i have friends who work in emergency medicine and they're like maybe three weeks ago a month ago it was bad yeah like everyone they picked up was pretty much uh it was pretty much 
um, they were going to lose their life. They mm-hmm. were put him on a ventilator, and that was it. And now things have really slowed down, and they kind of got more regular traffic of right. the regular day-to-day uh, emergency room mm-hmm. kind of calls. And I think that that's refreshing to hear that things are kind of reverting back to where they were before uh, here in the city. But then you hear, you know, like my res, and it's just like slammed. And so it's real yeah. hard for me to be – you know, to listen to people that say, like, you know, you're sheep, you're just listening to the media, yeah, you know, but... you're controlling this. And then at the same time, they're, you know, it's like, man, I don't know. I mean, I just lost yeah. a, I just lost a family member to it. Yeah. So it's real hard for me to figure out where that medium is. And it's hard to even, like, impose that on somebody, you know, mm-hmm. to try to even use that as, like, anecdotal evidence. Because right. their entire, like, circle of influence, their entire, like, network of people that they know may not even be impacted by this at all. Right, right. And I think I think that's an interesting part. Um, most folks that tune in know uh, that my significant other works in healthcare, uh, works works in and around the acute kind of care and stuff like that. And that's one thing that they've dealt with regularly now. Uh, he's been tested regularly, so no worries there. Uh, he just got tested again the other day. Again, negative, thank goodness. Uh, but their facility, you know, all, every facility has been hit hard with this stuff. And that's the one thing that I think I, th- I think there's multiple things that are true there, because I think the media is not doing anyone any favors in certain ways. Because even with their facility, they walk up, they try to like they try to break into windows and put cameras through windows, and these are like sealed, contained areas. It's like do not enter COVID, yeah. right? And they're like, ah, oh, we'll just pry open the window and shove a camera in, right? <laughs> you know, and it's just it's the craziest. It's like we don't stuff. have negative pressure containment. Right. Are you crazy? Right. So it's this it's this insane, you know, sensational. They, they obviously want to sensation things, right? I mean, that's kind of what mm-hmm. the media does. Um, I even hate saying that because it's just kind of the duh, right? It's the media, mm-hmm. right? Um, but yeah, so there is some of that. So I, I can I can get where people would be down that path of going, oh, sheep, the media, blah, blah, because the media is assholes. I mean, we can say that, right? But the majority of them are, no matter what news outlet you kind of go to, yeah. you have to take all of it with a grain of salt. But I'm with you because even just listening and listening to his stories and watching him deal with this stuff and seeing the numbers of people that have died in these facilities mm-hmm. or hearing the stories of the people that have died in these facilities. Um, I, I won't get into too much detail, but I, I can just tell you that, I mean, it's been regularly kind of during the peak of this thing, whereas every night, like, he's coming home and he's calling family members going, listen, your so-and-so passed away last night, so-and-so mm-hmm. passed away this morning. You know, it's just a nonstop thing. So for the assholes out there that say that this isn't real, that's the only thing that I can call them is assholes. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this, 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 I think that it's unfortunate because there's a, there's a parcel of people that, you know, in this state that the virus is right now, pending that it doesn't mutate and form mm-hmm. into a more contagious kind of uh, right. form or a form that affects people outside of really the higher risk or people have pre-existing conditions, yeah, like they may never be affected by it, you know. And I think that's a difficult thing to uh, get people to understand, you know. Yeah. Like like my life was a, you know, I just not, not, not to get in too much detail, but when my grandpa contracted it, <laughs> He's married 56 years to my grandma. She wasn't allowed to go to the hospital, you know. She wasn't allowed to see him because she, she was considered high risk, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, if you could suit up in full PPE and face masks, you could go in and see. But you had to be, like, in certain criteria. You couldn't be, yeah. you know, suit. You, you, you couldn't be high risk, you know. That's just too much liability. And also, it's not even liability. It's just, like, the doctors and everyone, they're just, like, mm. it's, I'm sorry, we can't. Yeah. As as health practitioners, we can't, can't put allow, you. Yeah. yeah, we can't allow put to put you in harm's way. And yeah. um, you know, even you know the funeral, so it was sad. just it was just bad. And and so, uh, I don't say that to get sympathy. I don't say that to bring any kind of uh, like down mood to this podcast. I say it for anyone that listening that thinks like, oh, this isn't real. Um, 
it's real. It may never affect you, and I hope it doesn't. You know, if yeah. if if you kind of are in this bubble of like, I don't know anyone that's been affected. I don't know anyone that, uh, you know. So it, it it's probably not real. Like, man, this is real. It it it, it was gut wrenching to go through that entire experience, and um, you know, that entire you know nur- nursing home where my grandpa was. They 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 have a, have a number of families that were affected in the same manner as me. Yeah. And uh, it's rough. And so to make to to bring this back to like safety. Yeah. Um, this has been a good experience for me because like, like this whole, not, not this particular, but my grandfather, but this whole COVID experience is, is good to see like parallels and safety because you could have that one guy who has like, uh, amputation in their career or that one person that has a fatality in their crew or, um, some serious incident and they parade them around to try to get people to rally the message and say like, Hey, this is real. This exposure is out there. And even that you have somebody showing up with a, you know, button up sleeve and one arm and like, Hey, you know, make, make sure you're, um, make sure you're doing, uh, your secondary pass on your, uh, lockout tag out, make sure that you're doing your, um, you know, your peer checks, make sure that you're don't think like I can stick my hand there for just a second. Even if you have people, standing right in front of you telling you don't do this they're still gonna do it and i think this is definitely showing that as like true even though you have people that are like hey my relatives have died this is real this is this you know or celebrities saying i had like tom hanks i had covid it's real it's out there it's the worst sickness i ever had some people are still gonna say yeah 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 just because there's that like human nature part of you that's just like i'm not gonna see it till i believe it or right, till, right. you know and even then right, yeah. i still think that i can test i can ride that you know boundary and be yeah. fine yeah I think it's really interesting, um, especially with all the kind of the, the crazy stuff that's been going on, um, especially as we went towards this whole kind of mindset of, okay, PPE, PPE, and then we kind of seen this big, massive PPE shortage. Um, I know that we've seen it in the industry, right? I mean, there's like, holy crap. Can I just say it bothers me when people say PPEs? PPEs, there we go. PPE. You get people on the, on the, on the news be like, yo, there's a shortage of PPEs all over. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, all, the, all the PPEs shortage. But yeah, so we noticed that there was a bunch of shortage around all this equipment. Um, even, and obviously in healthcare, right? That was kind of a big thing. Um, but there was this big need to go towards PPE, right? There's a big drive to go towards PPE. Um, people really started to quickly forget that engineering controls work, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one thing that I noticed. I found myself through this thing, having this conversation so much. It's like, go to move towards engineering controls, right. move towards engineering controls. When the desire was to shift towards, I just need a mask. Just mm-hmm. give me a mask. Just give me a mask. <laughs> right? I'm like, no. <laughs> can't we move towards stuff that actually works? Like the hierarchy of control still works during a pandemic. 100%. Right? It's still there, right? And I keep ranting about this, but it still works. Just because it's a pandemic doesn't mean that PPE is magically more effective now, right? I mean, that's just one of my kind of Sam pissed off rants that I've been having over the past couple months. <laughs> I think what I think what's difficult too is individuals assuming how PPE should be done. Yeah. And um, there's a video I saw on Instagram. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it maybe at some point. This lady was walking around in the store. She cut out like a square in her mask, you know, and they had this like plexiglass up at the gas station. Yeah. And the guy was like clowning her and he was just like, oh, ma'am, where, where did you get that mask? And he was like, uh, she was like, oh, yeah, you know, where, where did you get that mask with that cutout? And she was like, oh, yeah, you know, since you got to wear them everywhere, it's easier to breathe this way. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. There's so many. And I like, you think that the shit just exists on the internet. 
mm-hmm. but it doesn't. Right. You see it all every way. time. So there's, I've got a couple of stories I have to share because it was, they're just too good. Um, I was actually sitting in the parking lot. I was on the phone, right. Waiting to go into Sam's club mm-hmm. and like this, 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 this gaggle of old ladies. And that's a cluster of old ladies. For those that don't know, understand that's, that's an actual term. Yep. A gaggle of old ladies came out of the store. They were together shopping. They were going to pile into the SUV. They were going to load everything up. They had on their masks. They had on their gloves. Everything was good. They, they had been in the store obviously for a while. They unload all these groceries, gloves on, on, into the car they all get into the car with their masks on their gloves on like the lady's like flipping down her visor she's still got her gloves on she's like putting on her sunglasses with her gloves on like she's starting the car she, and they just drive over the gloves on and i'm like you don't understand what you just did right <laughs> and then no no shit right okay mm-hmm. just this last weekend uh saturday i think it was saturday friday night or saturday i was in sam's club again there's a lady and she's got she, she's got one of the surgical masks mm-hmm. right good good for her right she's wearing a surgical mask bad on her because she has it around her ears and scrunched up and just around her nose. Oh, gosh. Right? And she's on the phone <laughs> the entire time. I passed her like three times. And she's just on the phone, just like just like mouth breathing. Right. <laughs> with the surgical mask on, just covering her nose. I'm like, just take it off. But you know, I just wanted to tell her to take it off so bad. <laughs> but but you, know, you, know what's, you know what's... Excuse me. You know what's interesting about that is uh, there's tons of parallels to the workplace where 100% mm-hmm. gloves, 100% you know, safety glasses, hundred percent. Yes. You could, you, there are instances on every work site where you're just, you know, people follow the rules just because they have to. And then it's not, maybe not masks, Mm -hmm. but you see people walk around with safety glasses like this and it's a hundred percent safety glass area. Cause it's like, it's like for them, it's like, you know, they don't need it or, or they're just like, what's the word? They're just following the rules. They're mm-hmm. just making. They're just going through the motions. Yeah. They don't really believe. It's just compliance. In, right, right, hundred yeah. percent. That's what it is. It's compliance. And if you don't educate and you don't uh, really get people to understand the why, yeah. then they're just going to blindly follow. And they might, you know, follow the rules hundred percent, be hundred yeah. percent compliant, but never be protected because they don't adequately know yeah. how to uh, don and doff their PPE, or they don't know the yeah. purpose of it. Well, and and then you know. It being important when it should be important, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's something to that. I, I had this conversation with James McPherson the other day, um, and hopefully I'm not giving too much away, but um, we had a little bit of discussion around that. We were picking on, on on employers that require this 100% hard hat crap all the time, right? And that's pretty much every employer out there, right? right. It's like, okay, you have to wear this this magical hard hat that protects you from everything, even when there's nothing but clear blue, blue sky above you, no matter where you walk, just in case. Construction or J- just, just, just road, just, road just, construction comes to mind. Yeah, exactly, right? In, in Anywhere, right? I mean, you you think about it even in, in facilities and stuff where they're just like, okay, there's nothing up there, mm-hmm. right? On the off chance that someone's going to drop a wrench from ten feet high, right? Well, and, no, and I even, I even get that. Like, if you're in a place where there's maybe some there's a potential for folks above you, or there's equipment above you, I get it. I totally get that. I think most people do, right? But even in most most facilities, most places that you go that require hard hats all the time, mm-hmm. you can think of like eighty percent of the locations that have nothing above you, right? <laughs> there's literally nothing above you anywhere, right? And you're going, okay, well, what's the point? You know, you right? know, and it, it kind of brings to mind that whole piece where, where, where James was kind of going with this is like it really, it really kind of skews people's perspectives, and they mm-hmm. kind of relate this PPE to just this kind of stupid thing that I have to wear 
all the time, even when it doesn't make sense. And then it just suddenly becomes that it never makes sense, right? And then when you really need it and you really should be using it, you're just complying rather than focusing on putting mm-hmm. it on. And it's just, it really seems like it harms more than it helps at that point, right? Because yeah. people are just looking at the organization going, God, you all are a bunch of idiots. Well, and that's, <laughs> right? and that's I, I think that's a general feeling as you go around. There's, uh, you know, going back to that spectrum, some people completely believe in it, and some mm-hmm. others, you know, I'm 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 of the belief if you can't maintain a social distance, mm-hmm. and if you are coming in contact with people that you potentially, I don't know, I don't even want to dance around that whole thing, but yeah. you know, just really use your discretion and uh, really kind of just think about what is the potential here, right. and then kind of go 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 from there. Right. I think if you start blindly following 100% PPE all the time. You're going to be in a position where you won't be able to make an educated decision about whether or not you're protected when you actually do need it. And that's unfortunately how mm-hmm. people uh, get worse injuries, you know, like PPE what might have reduced the severity of an injury, uh, right. especially with like if it's a co- you know, some type of chemical related where that acts as a barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, the incident would have still occurred. It still would have happened, manifested itself. The risk would have still manifested but that barrier was essential to protect you, but maybe you didn't understand fully that in right. that moment you should have been donning it correctly, um, but you're just in this 100% mode. You got to yeah. just do it. Um, you weren't adequately like yeah. assessing the situation and be like, okay, this is when I actually do need it, and then right. put it on instead of I just got to wear it all the time. Well, exactly. Well, it gets to that point of using it where it matters, right? Mm-hmm. Doing the right thing at the right time is still important, right? And we kind of approach it, uh, at least most organizations – we kind of approach it from this mindset of, okay, well, if it's good when you need it, it must be good all the time, <laughs> right? Just in case, just in case. And, you know, again, I think it just, it makes it less important overall, right? It, it just, it makes it less important overall. So those times when it's really important, you might not see the importance you're gonna, of it. You're going to ultimately vilify something that should right. be a tool. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, yeah. you can't can't do that for something because it truly is the last line of your defense, yeah. you know? And if it, if it comes to – I mean, really, you shouldn't be telling people, like, this is your last line of defense. This is the only thing that's going to protect you. It's like you should take protect out completely, mm-hmm. and you should say, like, this is the only thing between you and the hazard. That's it. Think about whenever that manifests itself yeah. and think about the times that it could present itself yep. and use your discretion. Right. Instead right. of saying, I don't want you to ever not have it on, so just wear it 100%. Right, yeah. And because uh, I knew going back to an earlier conversation you had um, with Jason, uh, kind of just talked about the golden rules. I think we've talked yeah. about this in other yeah. instances too. Yeah. Same thing. It's like if you have this like 100% tie-off rule, 100% anything rule, you're never going to learn. And I was – at first, very uh, resistant to that idea mm-hmm. because I'm like, well, how can you have? Because it's just you know old school kind of safety um, upbringing of just like if you have rules, that's how people you know keep right. themselves safe. You don't have rules, you're gonna have anarchy. People won't yeah. know what to do with themselves, you know. So if you have 100% tie off, that's when we know because we care about them. We want them to right. never not be tied right. off. But then you're never gonna learn about the instances where it's impossible for them to mm-hmm. tie off. Right. Well, and it's so interesting, and for, especially and around those kind of thoughts of anarchy. Um, I always point people towards the Woolworths experiment. For those folks that haven't looked at that, they should look at that, uh, where they basically take those three different Woolworth stores, and this was this was something that Decker was involved in, and they basically have one that where they basically eliminate these are in the UK, all right? the these rules. This is in Australia, I believe. Yeah. Australia, okay. And they basically eliminated all the rules out of one, and then they left one pretty much the same as a control, and then they had some stuff that they messed around with the third. There's three or four of them. It was just interesting to see. Right. It was interesting to see because it it happens exactly how we we would. 
we would understand that happened. They stripped away the 99% of the rules, and there wasn't anarchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And I'm not saying that's the answer. I'm not saying that stripping away all the rules is the answer. Because I find that as I talk to most folks, they always kind of come back to the same thing. And it's that it's not that we don't want rules. It's that we want the right rules. We want the right rules that make sense, uh, but even even in that conversation with Jason, because that's a that's a that's kind of a rabbit hole that we get down pretty frequently, is in and around those golden rules that stirs up some passion with people, and they they go, well, you don't believe in life saving rules, oh, gosh. and then yeah. that's the part where I have to come back and go, listen, rules don't save anyone's life, mm-hmm. period. Rules don't actually do anything, right? <laughs> and we forget that essential controls save lives. Rules don't actually do anything. <laughs> you know, that, that that's when somebody has no leg to stand on in an right. argument, when right. they fall back on the, well, you must not value human life. <laughs> yeah, right, so right, because it's just right, a Hail Mary right. of like, I need to win this argument. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can't appear to be incompetent you in front of my peers. Care. <laughs> right. And I think that, well, you know, the parallel to the Woolworth experiment doesn't necessarily apply to mm-hmm. you know the covid experience right now because no. in the Woolworth experiment those are the experts they yep. know their job best exactly um yep. and, and in our situation we're kind of thrust into a situation where there's a spectrum of understanding mm-hmm. some have a really keen understanding of you know ppe or the um methods of uh contact of you know some kind of virus like that and others are just you know, have have no idea. They're just right. trusting what they hear or not trusting what they hear. Right. In the Woolworth experiment, that was great because you had those grocery store workers that um, were controlled, felt mm-hmm. controlled by procedures, but were experts in their field and experts in, in stocking, unloading, managing inventory, whatever they were, mm-hmm. you know, cycle counting your inventory. And then you gave them the autonomy to say, you guys figure this out. You know, we're going to strip away the rules, strip away all of the bureaucracy and the red tape. If you want to change something, change it that day. If you feel there's a better process, right. do it. You don't need to float it by anyone. You know, manage yourselves. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is interesting. This actually goes to the uh, Lord of the Flies. You yeah. ever, you ever, yeah, yeah, you ever yeah. read the book, seen I the have, movie? Yeah. Yep. So that was actually sensationalized. The, the guy that uh, wrote the book, you know the story? So the guy that wrote the book, you know, it's going to kill me. Maybe you can pull it up. Um, uh, The guy that wrote the book, there's actually actually an article (laughs) that came out kind of like comparing the Lord of the Flies to like the real story. Mm -hmm. I guess it was a group of, uh, I think it was Tonga, Tonga boys that ended up on an island and nobody died. There was no anarchy. The boys like looked out for themselves. They built a sense of community. They took care of each other. You know, I think the the Lord of the Flies is like one take on humanity where Mm -hmm. they showed up. They were like a couple of boys had died because they were, you know, revolted against each other. There were no rules. But the real life story that the book was based on, they really looked out for each other. They took care wow. of each other. They they created rules yeah. to, to make society work. Yeah. Right. But no. But that's not fun. No. You know, that's not fun for a movie. No. no. <laughs> I think if you're, I think if it's one of those, uh, if you sensationalize it, it's fun. But you know, it's, yeah. it's not as sexy as yeah, you know, right. the exactly. Lord of the Flies novel. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting because that's a place where. Organizations in particular tend to struggle as they kind of go down this path of just safety betterment in general. Mm-hmm. As they struggle with the decluttering aspect of it, they struggle with stripping away some rules. They, for kind of the same reasons, they're like, well, if we get rid of rules, it'll be anarchy and we lose control of people and we, God knows what will happen next. Mm-hmm. And then if something bad happens and we don't have a rule for it, then we're going to just be litigation and it'll be this horrible, horrible thing. Um, and then it's, it's interesting because then, um, then you really draw this comparison and that's kind of here stateside. You draw this comparison to some of our hop family and safety family over in Australia. And they're really taking a really progressive approach to human and organizational performance. They're really driving this. 
And a lot of the folks I've chatted with over there, they're to the point of, of using flexible procedures. Like mm-hmm. they're to the point of saying, here's your rumble strips. You figure everything else out. Right. And I'm going, that's so cool. And people haven't just went, nope, people haven't went crazy. There's not anarchy. People actually do things safer and more efficient. Stuff still happens. <laughs> right? And I think that that's a, that's a fallacy when you go down this road is mm-hmm. like, okay, so if we go down this road and strip everything away, we're not going to have anything happen. Right. And, 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 no, and because your answer is going to be no, they're like, well, we kind of like the way things are because if you're – if the alternative is to give them control, we're still going to have the same number of incidents. We're still going to have uh, no improvement in our behavior-based safety metrics in our observations. <laughs> then clearly there's the flaw in that. If we're not having an increase in the amount of you know inspections that were – area inspections, mm-hmm. then clearly it's, it's not a better process. Right. You know, using the metrics that you're evaluating, I can definitely see how it's not um, – it's not beneficial. It's not a fruitful endeavor. Right. But I think we need to be able to convince. You know, I think there's so much of that. I think every safety pro should take the some kind of persuading, you know, a debate argument mm-hmm. class of some kind. Maybe that's a Hop University module you come up with yeah. because that's definitely a skill, having that political savvy right. of right. knowing when to stroke someone's ego to get him on your side yeah. but also when yeah. to knock him down a peg because they've overstepped the bounds. Um, there's mm-hmm. just so many different you know, uh, conversations that need to be had to get that, to get that one person that believes in you to kind of thrust it outward and get people right. to listen and be like, Hey, you know what? This guy's onto something. This, this gal's onto something. This person really has some ideas that I think we should, we should lean mm-hmm. on right now and let's start stripping away some rules, yeah. some, 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 some of this structure, some of the scaffolding. Yeah. Because yeah. the fear is if we take down the scaffolding, the structure is going to fall, right. you know, right. I mean, it's just like, Hey man, it's a structure. Well, and that's where that's where it's always interesting to challenge those folks, you know, um, especially the really the really heavy rule based folks in organizations as you kind of challenge them. Really, like, listen, and again, it's kind of back to that point um, when they first hear that they hear anarchy, right? They're well, you don't want any rules, you want everything to just be some mm-hmm. hippity dippity shit show, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, well, no, that's not true at all. Actually, I like safety and efficiency. That's the two things, and a lot of it's going back more even towards some of that more that HRO organization type of stuff, that high reliability stuff. Um, which is an interesting topic to get into as well. But so much of it is that, right, is that going? it's going back to the rules that, that count, right, the rules that matter. And it's even some of the challenges that I throw down with some of the golden rules is if you have to make 10 rules really special, you've got too many damn rules, right? You should probably just have those 10 rules, right? That's probably all the rules you should have, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it gets kind of ridiculous to the point in organizations to where even even uh, Sidney Decker had brought it up when we were chatting on the podcast. He's like, when I have to do an expense report and I have to – CC a receipt to seven people to get approved for a $20 purchase. You have too many rules, right? You have too many steps in your process, right? You, it's, it's too much bureaucracy in your process. And obviously that's not in safety. That's in a whole nother, another space, well, it, but it's kind of the same thought, right? Is that mm-hmm. you need to have the rules that count, right? And I always like, I don't, I don't know the exact study, but uh, it's a study that had happened. Sydney used it quite a bit and I think he quoted it or he used it in just culture. Uh, actually talking about um, nurses, right? And polling nurses, uh, I can't tell you the specifics, but basically polling nurses, asking them how many rules they knew versus how many rules actually applied to them. And at any given time during their day, they were subject to like a thousand rules, right? And out of all the nurses that they polled, those nurses on average could remember three rules, right? And it was the three really important rules to them in their job for what they were doing. So again, it's back to, you know, if you give me a list 
uh, not to dumb this down or oversimplify this, but if you give me a list of the few things that tell me how not to die or the things I should really focus on at work or the things that should be really important to me, I'm probably going to pay attention. But if you give me a crap load of just stuff and say, here's your rule book. Because, you know, you know, (laughs) I think every safety professional can resonate with this. Nobody ever... I mean, maybe not nobody. The majority of the time, let me cover myself. <laughs> the majority of the time when frontline employees, supervisors, frontline leaders, they come up to you with a question, it's usually an interpretation of the rule. Mm-hmm. It's not how do I do this safely. Right. It's it's really like, okay, safety yeah. guy, here's where I'm at. And they might ask you like how do I do this safely, but when you really get into their 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 kind of thought process Mm -hmm. it's about like here's how i interpret this rule is that going to be it's just like man let's start looking at the the risk where 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 is this strip away all that crap and so going to your um you know i don't don't want to call them golden rule there's rules to live by but just those like what yeah yeah well (laughs) i think when it's when it's special like that and you strip everything else away and you say these are the things you need to worry about and don't add like extra emphasis don't put an exclamation point mm-hmm. and then with a parentheses will result in termination will result in discipline because you never learn but you know have those 10 things that you really are grounded on that you say like all right these are the, the this, because there's so much crap you worry about on your day-to-day when it comes to safety here's a here's a laminated card of things mm-hmm. you need to worry about that's it if you got questions about anything else come yeah. come talk to your safety yeah. guy come talk to your frontline leader because then I think you'll have some inquisitive people because they're like, yeah. okay, this isn't covered by the 10 things. I'm not sure where they fit in here. Time out. Yeah. You know, because when they stop work, it's generally because they're like, uh, here's how I think I should approach this. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah. And they might not even come to you. They might spitball it between just their crew, right. which is really the best place for it because they're going to have probably the best answer. Yeah. Um, and I think that what you said is kind of has some rumble strips of mm-hmm. like you can't go completely crazy. You know, OSHA still does exist. Yeah. You know, NIOSH still has some ground rules, some some, some outlying uh, things that we need to fall between in terms of PELs and to keep you safe, um, keep you conscious, really, but, and then make sure there's no long term or acute effects on this thing. So, um, outside of that, you can kind of govern yourself. Right. And I think that's really interesting once you get into kind of the procedural aspect of it, because we've forgotten, right? The procedures are supposed to help us accomplish something, right? They're supposed to help us accomplish X, Y, Z. And I've even heard safety pros say, no, 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 no. Procedures are specifically designed to slow people down so they think more about it. Like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> that's the only thing I can say at that point. If you try to create create inefficiency through your procedures, you're just going to have people adapt and create efficiency around them. Right? Mm-hmm. They're just going to find a way to go around them. You and can't so you can't demand that people be inefficient for their for their own good to try to slow them down to, so they try to to use the you know, uh, the P card, you know, procurement process mm-hmm. that Decker was to re- referencing. If it's that cumbersome for me to do something, I'm going to find any other way to do it. If, right. it. if I have to pay for it myself and it's like I do that cost benefit of like this is $50. Should right. I pay for it? Should the right. company exactly. pay for it? How much yeah. time am I going to put into it reconciling this cost? <laughs> right. You know what? Here's my debit card. Yeah, Just exactly. swipe it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Or if there's another workaround, I was like, well, if you use a purchase order, there's only one approval that's needed instead of using your P card. Well, let's do that. Let's yeah. just create a blanket PO. Right. And then you look at the – procurement credit card process you're like look at these 100 uh, percent approvals we mm-hmm. never miss we never miss this we never miss that and then you look at the po side and it's just a mess right. you 
right? And it's it's the it's just yeah, exactly. We have to understand that you know again these things should be helpful, right? They should be helpful. They should help us. They should be a means to the end, right? They should be a means to us accomplishing. We're going to find the last path the, of least resistance. The, the work, right? They should help us accomplish the work, and that's where I really love these procedures that are flexible, right? Kind mm-hmm. of flexible procedures. Well, number one, I've got to say that uh, you know me. I don't know where to cut these things. I try my best. I, I, I find the best place that I possibly can and try to cap it at an hour and chop it there. Uh, and from that, you should be able to deduce that this is a two-part episode. So you know that Ian and I can't get in a room together and not talk for at least two plus hours. So uh, the one and only the amazing Dr. J. Allen holds the record, as you know, of of three plus ish hours. Uh, But Ian and I went for about two plus something on this one. So you got an hour of it now. You get another hour of it uh, on the next episode. So that's all I've got. Do me a favor. Head over to the website, www.thehopner.com. Head over to hopuniversity.org. Check that out and also check out the book. That's all I've got. Sam Goodman, The Hopner, signing off. Bye, everybody. Bye.